You're listening to the King of the Four podcast, offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics with your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. All right. Celtics coming off a important win um, in what was probably a pretty boring game last night against the Sixers. We're back with another episode of King of the Fourth Quarter podcast. I'm Jim Quigley with my brother, as always, Mike Quigley. And um, Mike, you know, I think last night's game was a really good um, definition of who the Celtics are. Uh, they grinded and they played really tough defense. Al Horford showed up against Embiid and, you know, they doubled sometimes. And But for the most part, there was a lot of single coverage. Um, you know, their ball pressure was fantastic the whole length of the court. Um, and then on the offensive end, it, it was just continues to be a struggle. You know, Tatum actually, I think he was eight for 20, um, strong rebounding game, played a really good all around game, but there's just no threats on the perimeter for this team whatsoever. And I, I thought Philadelphia played good defense, but I thought the Celtics helped them out quite a bit at times, with just not being able to make shots. And, and that's a recurring theme. Um, and as a result, you, you get a win and you're going to have more wins like this. Uh, I think going forward where, you know, we'll look at, I think the final score is 90 to 89 or 89, 88 or something like that. Um, you're holding the team under 90 and you're only winning by one. It's pretty, um, you know, you don't see that. You don't see that in the NBA, but, uh, here we are with this team. Yeah, that's my takeaway from the game too. I think that. Even Philadelphia, it's kind of the way they play. So it's almost like a rock fight uh, yeah. now when these two teams meet up. Uh, I, Philadelphia has more shooting than the Celtics. but Oh, I'd love Danny Green or Seth Curry. Yeah, I would love them. Yeah, yeah. same here. Um, uh, one of my takeaways from last night is I just thought the bigs for the Celtics really showed up and played well, uh, especially Rob and, and Al on the defensive end. And then mm-hmm. – uh, you know, Al didn't put up a huge stat line, but I, I thought he was impacting the game offensively by bringing the ball up. He had some open threes, and yep. he was one of the few guys really moving the ball outside of Smart and Tatum, uh, getting people some good looks. Um, my other takeaway is that Smart has been playing really well in the role of the lead point guard with the starting lineup. Uh, he looks more focused on getting people involved and not looking for his shot. Uh, he does seem very interested in getting into the paint, posting people up. And uh, when he is looking for his offense, it's more about going inside. Um, I do think eventually he's going to get more respect from the refs for doing that. And there were a lot of uh, drives last night where he didn't get calls. I think if he stays patient and continues to play this way, he's going to get be a guy that we'll see, you know, go to the line four or five times a game because he'll gain the respect of the refs. Um, so I just hope he keeps playing that physical style on offense you know, that he plays on defense. Um, and can I, can I follow up with Smart just uh, before you get to the next point? Is that all right? Um, so I, I agree with everything you're saying, and I, I think he's been the best facilitator of this offense since that press conference, really, that I thought was ill-advised, but he, at least he's responded with his play. He deserves credit mm-hmm. for that. And um, he's really been a good point guard. Uh, he's moved the ball. Like you said, he's getting the ball to the paint. He's um, getting people in position to either score or have a hockey assist type situation. So he, he's been very good. He's got great rhythm with Rob right now. 
in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love him on the post, you know, especially if we're going to continue to play him at, you know, the point and, and you get that matchup every once in a while, which should have now with that second unit where you're going to have a smaller guy. And he seems to really be making a lot of good decisions, whether to draw a foul or, or, or make the right pass out of that. And I hope the Celtics incorporate that more into the offense early in games. Um, you did see, I thought in the third quarter, his Achilles heel a little bit as a point guard position. Philly upped their pressure on him, uh, and he turned the ball over um, two or three times in a row up the court in that third quarter and allowed Philly to go a little bit of a run early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wonder if you're going to see more of that as we move forward um, and where we're going to see more ball pressure on Smart and how he responds to that. Um, he's he's a good ball handler. He's not terrific. And so um, how does that affect the Celtics offense? And again, he's got good speed, doesn't have great speed. So what what does that do to an offense that is already struggling to get going? Um, but everything I was just saying about Marcus is, is 100% correct. Yeah, and I think in those moments, they have to help him more. So the other night, maybe with San Antonio, they were playing Pritchard a little bit with Smart when San Antonio was picking up, picking up the ball pressure with Murray. And that helped the offense get going a little bit in that second half um, just because they had another ball handler in there to help move the ball around. And I thought that's where Ime was going to go during that stretch in the third quarter, but he didn't in the Celtics one, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think utilizing Pritchard a little bit more in those moments will help Smart. Uh, the other thing I just want to say is that I think we've seen it for a while now is that Tatum is trying to incorporate other parts of his game for the betterment of the team. Uh, he's obviously the best rebounder on the team. He might be one of the better rebounders in the conference now. And uh, he's really trying to be a pass first player. And, you know, he's looking for a shot, but he's he's being very intentional. You saw it in there when he only had eight points the other night. I forget who they were playing. Yeah, but he, um, yeah, yeah, against like Toronto. And that, love an assist or something like that. Yeah. That might have been one of the more important wins of the season for the Celtics uh, because Tatum can see that he's impacting the games in other ways. And something that Brad Stevens used to always say when he was a coach, when you don't have one thing going, you know, get the other part of your game going. And that's something Tatum's always used to struggle with when his shot wasn't going, he would just not be impacting the game at all. His shot hasn't been going for a long time now, but to his credit, I feel like he's finding other ways to get involved. Um, But also I think he has to be challenged more about you know you got to get that shot going you got to start hitting some shots consistently for this team to be competitive well what i really liked about last night and even with the shots he missed i thought he shot the ball within the flow of the offense he looked confident yeah and so he there were early on they were running a high screen with al or rob and he was coming up and he was getting squared on the three and the ball just went in and out i mean but he was squared up you weren't seeing this isolation type play where he was then going to the sidestep and, and, and um, hitting that, you know, that worked well for him two years ago, but just seems to have fallen off. Um, he was locked in last night. He so was he, locked he, in. The, it, but everything was within the flow. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, forcing action, he was um, he was reading and creating. And, and, and I thought that was um, good to see against a good defense in Philadelphia that has decent length and, and guys that know how to get after it. Um, so Can I say one thing about that, too? Huh? Can I say one thing about that too? To his credit, 
he's not surrounded with shooters. He's not surrounded with a lot of offensive talent. And most players would just give up and take over the game by scoring. And he hasn't done that on his team. He's continued to try to be a facilitator. And I think, I think he's really grown this season. Um, And if he can get his shot going, which I mean, we're talking about Jason Tatum. Once he gets that shot going, it's going to be fun to just watch him this season when he has it all, you know, working for him like a like a LeBron or a Giannis when he has it all going on. Um, there'll be some really fun nights in the next couple. Well, of I thought it was funny what Paul Pierce when he was on the telecast of the Lakers game said earlier. And they they asked him, uh, <laughs> "What is it going to take to Tatum become a better facilitator, Tatum better playmaker?" And he's like, "Better teammates." Yeah, and he said, you know, everyone used to say that about me. And then I got Ray and I got Garnett. And, you know, all of a sudden they were talking about how my game changed. My game didn't change. You know, I just had better plays around me. And and, um, and he was never really a facilitator. Yeah. No, and I think he has solid plays. I, I was thinking about this in the drive to work the other day. I think they have a lot of solid players on this team that you would want on a contended team. They're just mm-hmm. all the same type of players. Yeah. You know, these grinded out defenders um, uh, that, you know, can give you a little bit of offense here or there, but no real expectation. And they don't they don't have anyone that makes you pay if you give help right now that well, are you afraid that's going to consistently make you pay? And I thought you saw that last night where uh, and you've seen that all season where teams are just overextended help on a Tatum and Brown drive. Because, you know, if you're going to catch and shoot the three, Marcus or Grant or Romeo or whomever, go for it. And that's 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 a bit of an issue. The other thing from last night um, that I do want to touch on that's been bothering me beyond just last night is um, I know where you're going. End of the game in the fourth quarter. It's close game. Emei's going to have to do something about this. Dennis Schroeder is a good player. He's not as good as he thinks he is. And I, I think that's the problem right now. He's, you know, going isolation can last three possessions of the game for the Celtics. Now, one of them, he got bailed out with a foul when he, he drove into Embiid and Harris with nowhere to go. The, the second time was actually a smart play. He went fast and he had yeah. open lane. He hit a layup. The third, I don't know what was going on there. And, and they said a high screen with Al, nothing was there. And instead of, and felt that someone else are calling a timeout and drawing up a play. They just went back to it. And I, Tatum's your best player. Yep. In those situations, if all else fails and Tatum's going to the hoop, he's strong enough to at least draw contact or maybe make something happen or find something for another teammate. They're not even helping off. There's not even help defense on Schroeder the majority of the time. It's, it's, it's a problem. And the, it's not that I don't think Shooter's capable of facilitating. He is. He just sees it. He thinks it's better with the ball in his hands. Yep. He thinks he's the guy that should be it. And I think if the Celtics are up in a close game, he's a good ball pressure defender, but he's not a great defender by any means. I, I, I'd rather see Josh Richardson out there. At the end of the game last night, yeah. I was wondering why that wasn't the case. You know, and, you know, run the offense through Marcus and, and Tatum and, and see what happens. But this this can't continue, and it, it's happening too much. And last night it almost cost them the game. It, it really almost cost them the game. It wasn't, if it was not for a great defensive effort 
which we should hit on in, in a second, on that last possession, it could have cost them the game. Well, and there's my, you know, every, I agree with everything you just said. Um, and he's played really well this year. I mean, you can't argue that he's really saved them while Brown was out with his with his offense. No, they I mean, need his offense, isn't it? Yeah, they need his offense. But Parts of his game that drive me crazy. But here's a here's the concerning part for me. Um, he's gonna get less opportunities now with Brown back, and you know this is a guy who's trying to get paid. And you see these possessions at the end of the game; they can't have that. He needs to not. He needs to understand that at the end of the game, the ball needs to be in, you know, Brown or Tatum's hands, unless, you know, he's going off and he gets to be the guy for that one night. But that last night was inexcusable. And, you know, somebody needs to talk to him. Like, that can't happen again. Tatum Tatum made a comment saying, and like, I I think it was all with the right intentions. So, you know, he said last night after the game that, um, you know, there was an article about me being an unselfish player, but I'm letting other guys do it at the end. I think that's an article about me being selfish. I think that's unselfish. Actually, there, Jason, that's exactly where I want you to be selfish. Yeah, and that's where I want him. He made want him to be selfish, mm-hmm. especially when he's playing like he did last night, yeah. and he's making things happen. Um, it's just happened too much and you you see a lot of turnovers of bad shots and sometimes you know Schubert does make things happen because he's got that speed and quickness he's not always going to fail in those situations I just don't think it should be him yeah and you see this with superstars like this struggle with when they're young and they come into the league their scores because that's what they've been through AAU and high school ball and the pressure put on them by the media and by their teammates to evolve their game. You've seen it with LeBron. You've seen it with Giannis. And what happens, Jim, at the end of the games, these players, LeBron struggled with it. They don't take the shot at the end of the game because they're trying to trust their teammates. Everybody beats them up for it. So this is the same. Tatum's no different. He's going to go through this growth period like everybody else. And I, I got to say, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because a couple of years from now, He's going to be one of the best players in the league for for actually putting in the work that he's putting in now, being uncomfortable, being comfortable with being uncomfortable in his game. He's going to grow as a player and he's going to be a superstar. If he continues to go down this road and have nights where he struggles and still gets his teammates involved, in the end, it's going to be great for the franchise and it's going to be great for him. Um, So two more points I want to hit on this game. One is that defensive possession, the overall defense of the Celtics. Oh, let's talk about that. Al, man, Robin Al, look at that. I want to question a little bit of Doc Rivers' coaching. um, And we're going to touch on the San Antonio game, too. On the Philly side. So we'll start, before I get into Doc, um, just really good defense all last night. I mean, they got some help where they could help off Tybal on every single possession to, Mm -hmm. to give the ball and Embiid. But there was a lot of single coverage on Embiid. There was one possession, um, and Jalen was clearly playing hurt. You pointed that out last night. He's missing tomorrow's game against Utah. Um, good. They got to send him. But he was he was one on one with Embiid on the post, denying him the ball fronting. Now he had decent help side. I forget who was over there on the help. He had decent help over the top if a pass was made, and the, but the ball pressure was perfect. 
you know, out on the perimeter with um, either with Schroeder or Smart. And, t- and Brown's positioning on the front and his fight was really great. Mm-hmm. A- and you just saw that effort continuously from all five Celtics. They were really connected all night long on the defensive end. A- and when you play like that, it shouldn't be a surprise to the viewer that the last possession kind of ended the way it did. Mm-hmm. Al did a great job of getting up on Tobias Harris. The, the play was designed to be a high-low from Harris into Embiid. And, 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 you know, Al just did a great job of getting his hands up, getting his body into Harris, making it into an almost... He sped Harris up. He sped yeah, him up. sped him up. Impossible yeah. pass to make. Brown got great position to deny. I think they could have still completed the pass, but it wasn't a great angle that they were going to have to make it from. He, he did a great job of fighting. And, and then they rotate the ball over. They get it to Niang, who I, I thought for sure when he got it, I was like, oh, good Boston kid. He's going to make this. And Rob's closeout shows just how potential, just how dangerous Rob is on the defensive side. I mean, I don't know how many other guys coming from where he was coming from could actually that out last night, but he did. And, and they were able to close this out. And that I think that's who they are right now. Um, and it's going to get them enough wins to be a playoff team at the end of the year. Well, how many wins exactly? I, I'm not quite sure at. Of, but that's who they are, and, and it was really impressive throughout. Um, and then the just one dog thing I, I touched on Thibel. I thought for sure at some point last night they were going to go with a lineup of Maxi, Milton, um, Harris, Green, and Embiid, and, and just say, you know what, with Thibel up, maybe we're not as good defensively, but we can still trap Tatum and let's yeah. see if the Celtics can make us pay. Because I, at least, I think that lineup could have put some offensive pressure on the Celtics. That Thibel, can I counter that for Doc though? Yeah, but just real quick, with Thibel yeah. out there, it's five on four and it's an easy double on Embiid every single time. Uh, I hear he's, you. He's a negative player on the offensive side, complete and, negative player. And that lineup you're talking about, Philly, has actually gone to a lot this season, and partly because Maxi has played like an all star. There was an all-star game today. I think that Curry, Maxi, and uh, Embiid all have an argument to be there. Yeah, you can't have three from an 11-11 team. You can't, but I, I just, if you're looking at their stats and the way they're playing. Yeah. Um, the problem with last night is is Maxi was hesitant to shoot the ball. He was wide open several times where he didn't take the shot. He wasn't driving to the hoop, and he was turning the ball over. Uh, so I don't know what to do with Smart. It did have a lot to do with Smart yeah. and Max, who was getting beat up on the defensive end by the Celtics. So I think maybe that went into Doc's thought process, but maybe there's another guy that Doc could have been playing. Because I agree with you. It was, I mean, Embiid ended up going, what, like two for 16 last night? Yeah, they made it. It was difficult. The Celtics are a good defensive team, and mm-hmm. they should be, but they made it, I thought Doc made it easier on them. Yeah. You don't have to cover Thibel. You just don't. He, he's a complete negative on that side. Um, you, you know, it's, you know, in some ways more of a negative than some of the offensive plays on the Celtics. It, it really, I, I, I was waiting for them to make that change where you go offense instead of defense because you're just going to count on the Celtics not making shots on the other end, no matter yeah. if you have slip-ups or not. Um and maybe they will the next time they play, but you know, I was surprised they didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I. Oh, I think the next time they play, there's going to be a more engaged 
uh, Joel Embiid. The Sixers looked a bit disengaged last night to start that game. And I know they haven't been playing very good basketball. Well, he uh, missed a lot of time from COVID. And Oh, uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he missed a lot of time from COVID. And I, I didn't think he looked himself at no, all. And didn't. One, you hope it's not a situation that, that like Tatum went through last year. I do because Embiid's, you know, superstar talent you want to see out there. Um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, fuck you, Philly. I, I love it every time your franchise isn't good. Um, but one thing I wanted to touch on just real quickly is just mm-hmm. to keep an eye on the consistency of this team and their play. Um, that first quarter against San Antonio, I, I just felt was so inexcusable. And we can chop it up to say that this team struggles offensively. That's obviously true. But this team has a history of also not showing up and looking over their opponent sometimes. And if they want to not play in the playing game, they can't have quarters like that against San Antonio repeats of last year against these bad teams. That was in many ways you know, for me, almost like a must win with this road trip coming up. And it was extremely disappointing to see, you know, that first half effort against the Spurs. Yeah, that's why last night's game was so important because I, I, mm-hmm. I thought I turned last night's game just critical to get uh, two games over 500 going into the stretch. Um, you know, that was another game, you know, again, where you, you, and this isn't all of it because it was such a strange ending. Because you you took out Inez Cantor with about four minutes left, and you were up seven, and he was playing great. And you mm-hmm. brought in Al for defense. And what ended up happening was, with Cantor, they weren't switching the screen, the Celtics. And, and, the, and the Spurs, for whatever reason, couldn't do anything to take advantage of that. The guards yeah. seemed perplexed. Al comes in, the Celtics start switching it again. And, and all of a sudden, you have, the, you have Murray... And you, and you have you have their other guards going one on one against Horford, and he, he that's a little bit outside his comfort, probably a little bit more than a little bit outside of his comfort right now at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, the Celtics could have done a couple things on the defensive side there. They could have kept Al in and said no more switch, yeah, just like we were doing with Cantor. They mm-hmm. could have went to Grant there. They could have went back to Cantor, although. <laughs> It's tough to trust him, even with him playing well. But Ime saved his last two timeouts for the end of the game. That's where he's got to see things going south and and, and call one much sooner than that because you're up and you need to protect that lead. You can't be saving those timeouts for those possessions at the end of the game at that point. point. Especially with the defense. You're seeing it in real time that they're just killing that switch. Mm -hmm. You got to do something there. Offensively, they they let the it's they let their defense affect their offense in a lot of ways. I felt like, um, and and you know it's weird. I thought Cantor was actually doing a good job of setting screens offensively and getting their guys going downhill. Usually that's something again that Al does well, but they got away from it. And you know it was once again there was a lot of Schroeder. It was at the end yeah. of that game, and I, I just think you're up seven. I, Josh Richardson might have been out, so he sh- might have not have been an option. Romeo was playing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have stuck with him to close that thing out. Uh, you know, there was things you could have done when you saw this unwinding. You could have gone with Grant. You know, he moves his feet pretty well and can stay in front of guys. 
and he has the ability to hit the corner three. But it, I, I kind of, that's a learning experience for Ime as a head coach. That's mm-hmm. one of those games I hope he put a circle around. Uh, the players deserve some um, blame for that, but the coach has got to help them there. And, and, and I, I, I thought he a little bit let them down. Yeah, I, he's had issues with rotations all this year. I, I think the last two games, Romeo, I don't even know if he's played much. And then I, I don't remember seeing a lot of Grant last night. And those are two young players who have been playing well. And, and for a team that doesn't have a lot of assets, Ime um, is not helping Brad with, with asset management because none of the young talent on the team see the floor. But I think those are learned behaviors for a coach. So I, I think those are things he can get better at. Mm-hmm. The, the, he can coach. That's the one yeah. thing I've come away with right here. He draws up good things on the offensive side. They get open shots. They don't hit them. I, I, there's nothing he can really do about that. And defensively, he's coached them up. You know, everyone said the switch in defense wasn't going to work. Well, it really does. And, and so, I, so the question of whether he can coach, he can do it. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Now, now it's a matter of the game management side. And, and that's that's a learning experience. The game, like we watch it from our couch. You can't even imagine how quickly that's happening for him on the mm-hmm. sideline right now. And it's different being an assistant, going to the head coach and position and being in charge of all this and uh, managing your assistants, your plays, all those things. Uh, and, and you really become a manager as much of a coach. Um, so th- those things, I think he'll learn over time. And this won't be the first time I mean, all the last time this year that he's going to have issues, but it, it, you just hope that, you know, those go in the memory bank and, and he learns from them. Um, and I, I think it's a good transition now to kind of talk about the going on this road trip. We can hit on that, but a little bit of the state of the team. Um, I don't know what direction it's pointing the arrow. If you had an arrow right now, I think it's somewhat up. It's like, I don't know, not straight up, like at an angle, maybe more 45 degrees. Yeah, but uh, they, they, um, you know, the defense is going straight up. That's mm-hmm. been great since the press conference, since the Marcus, it was like the turning point, something clicked, they got it. You know, they've, they've had a, a bunch of games. I remember you saying it's the NBA gym. They're not going to hold anyone else under 90. They've done it like five times. I know. <laughs> you know, they've been really good on that end. Um, they almost held the Spurs like, you know, under 90 and then all of a sudden 15 point run at the end of the game. I, I, that's great. Offensively, we know all the issues. What's interesting to me, we get into the December 15th date and that's a date you can start trading guys like Schroeder and mm-hmm. then as Cantor. And then with the Celtics later in the month of January, towards the end, you can start trading guys like Josh Richardson mm-hmm. and Marcus Smart, which I, I don't think would be dealt. Rob Williams would be eligible to be dealt at that point. Um, and so what is this team going to do? Herman Gomez is eligible to be traded now. Uh, so, you know, you, that I haven't done a ton of it, but we should be looking around at teams right now, Mm -hmm. both contenders and guys out of the playoff picture, because I I think Brad can make multiple trades. You know, and I'd be interested to see who has uh, trade 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 player exceptions on other teams. Can you trade? Can you throw Schroeder into space for a first round pick? Take that money off the um, off the tax and, and think about maybe you could use your TPA at the deadline. Um, 
do you combine salaries and somehow get up to 20 million and think about a guy like Eric Gordon that shoots 40% from three for yep. two years on his contract left on his contract. I, I, you know, I don't know if any of those are the correct answer, but I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what direction they go. Cause I think there's two things they need to do. One, they need to acquire assets mm-hmm. um, going forward to building this team. So they need some firsts and seconds in the, in the bank account. And, they need offensive help now this year because you got a chance to get to the playoffs and make a little noise. Yeah. And you want to get Jalen and Jason as many playoff games as you possibly can. Um, Brad's going to have his hands full. He has the tools to make some of these things happen. Um, you know, I, for one, am hoping Schroeder probably isn't on the team after the trade deadline because I think you can get something back for him. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? You make yourself worse offensively. So what can you, you do to add? Yeah, to replace to that. It, it's an interesting spot that they're in, and it, it can go a lot of directions. Yeah, and it's tough to make trades now at the deadline with the amount of teams that feel like they're in it because of you – know, But you're the, a team that could trade to a contender. You are a team that could trade to a contender too. So yeah, yeah and, and they do have – they're in an interesting spot too where they can take contracts – and combine them to move them for a bigger one. You know, you bring up Josh Richardson, Herman Gomez, that's, that's 20 million right there. Yeah. Um, the 21 million actually. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, so, and you think about, um, you know, something I was thinking about was if they wanted to upgrade Cantor for their third big guy on the roster, somebody like Daniel Tice in Houston uh, would be a good what fit. Value, what value does Al have on the market right now? Um, and I, I know he's been great. I don't want him to trade out right now. But. I know you don't want to, but I think he's a guy that could have some value that you need to listen on because mm-hmm. you, 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 the big picture needs to be the goal, um, not just this season. And and you're going to have to make a decision on him. I think if the season ended right now, you're picking up his option for next year. I think that's a no-brainer because yeah. that's tradable again next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't see Al getting moved. But I, I wouldn't take anything off the table um, if it can get you some assets in here that you can make for a bigger trade later on. The reason I don't see Al being moved is he's got a perfect contract for a big trade. Um, and then you have some um, potential, you know, some assets, a traded player exception that could get you some offensive help. But that you have to attach. You have to attach to that. But the TPE to get offensive help, you, you've, you're not going to use that because you go way over the tax. You're going to have to get some salary out of here first. Yeah, so and the Celtics don't have assets. Celtics don't have assets to attach to a TPE. Oh, you wouldn't need much. If you, like Eric Gordon would, if you use the TPE on, I don't even know if it matches. I'm just using him for an example. Or a guy like him, a TPE and a second round pick, heavily protected. So they just get rid of that contract, would probably get the deal done. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. It's a guy who gets hurt a lot. Yeah, I hear yeah, you. Though. I'm not. I'm not saying he's yeah. the answer. I, I just his salary's on my mind. You know. Yeah, I. It's gonna be the trade deadline's gonna be crazy, Jimmy. I mean, if I'm the Celtics, I'm calling the Pistons about Grant. Yeah, I think a lot of teams will be calling the Pistons about Grant, uh, and and they should be. The guy's a player, and the other guys who are gonna get moved. Ben Simmons isn't going to be on the Sixers, and Kyrie Irving's going to get moved. These guys are going to get moved. There's going to be a lot of movement at the deadline. 
Um, yeah, I'm not sure Kyrie gets moved. You don't think so? I don't know. I think that's a lot harder than we think it is. Yeah. It's a huge salary. It is. And a guy with a history of just fucking things up. Yeah, and if you're a team like Minnesota, don't you have to add two with the way you're playing? Like, there's a lot of teams. Hey, Simmons would be interesting, though. He would, but do you? Why would I mean? You'd have to give up D'Angelo Russell. I wouldn't. You know what I mean? That's like. Oh, I don't know what they have for assets. Maybe they could yeah. get a third team involved and do mm. something. You know, bring. You know, maybe there's a way to do something like that. Right. Um, you're gonna right. have to get creative. I, I think the I think the deadline could definitely be interesting. Um, you know, like you say, and this is where, like, I, I feel like if Brad's got a little Danny in him, there's going to be so many teams competing that the market's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit shrunk. And, and you're going to have a, a seller's market in a way. He could, he might get an overpay for a Richardson or, or, or a Schroeder or something like that that could go to a contender to help. And, and I think you got to be shrewd like that right now. I think if I was Golden State of Phoenix, if I was Golden State of Phoenix, I would overpay for Schroeder or Jason Richardson. I absolutely would. I don't know if Schroeder fits in Phoenix, but he's better than Cameron Payne as your backup point guard. A guy coming off the bench that can just fill it up. He's played with Chris Paul. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I absolutely would if those guys were available. I mean, if you are. Golden State, you have enough shooting. If you brought in Jason Richardson right now as another defender, you yeah. know, he's a backup to a Draymond Green or an Andrew Wiggins. Oh. Maybe you can find a shooter in a deal like that for the Celtics. Hey, so mm-hmm. these, uh, like, uh, maybe they have TPEs and you get that off the book, then you can use the $18 million to go get a really good player. That $18 million TPE. I just don't want to see the Celtics yeah. not compete. You know, I want them to build for the future and still be an exciting team. You know, so that's. That's the risk if they move these guys. They, I hope they get something back that they're still competitive. Well, I, I, I yeah, I don't know. I, I guess the how big the drop off would be to a Neesmith from Richardson or a Romeo to Richardson. It might be significant. But again, they, they, I think how they move them, what they get back, are they able to make other moves to bring in? Like they can do, they could do both. You know. Um, Terrence Ross is having a ter- terrible year shooting, but he's, he's 11, 11 million. Hey, you're like, you just, Brad's got a chance to be creative, roll the dice on some guys, see what happens. You're not going beyond the second round anyways. Mm-hmm. So, like, take advantage of other teams in the positions they're in. Yeah. And this is like, you're in that weird rebuild where you can, you're competing. This is where Danny used to be really good at these moves. This is it's a lot easier to do it right now with the contracts they have and the place they are in the standings. Um, and I just December 15th is coming. I don't expect any deals right away, but just need to keep those dates in mind um, when these moves can stop being made. Um, and, and look, the guys that they've signed, they're out playing their contracts, so they're going to have value. Yeah. Hey, can I make a comment on what I think the best offseason move was? For, uh, for every team in the NBA. Yeah, Patty Mills. Oh, he's been great. For Brooklyn. Brooklyn yeah. had a great offseason. Yeah. Um, I mean, when they let, I, I still think, it, you know, letting Jeff Green go for Paul Millsap was a huge mistake, but um, adding Patty Mills, I mean, 
talk about like not missing the beat with Kyrie gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they're missing a beat. They're better with Kyrie than Patty. They're better with Kyrie, but yeah, they just got a professional scorer, man. And Patty Mills. Too. I mean, I'm getting Aldridge back. is just like, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. If they stay healthy and, you know, Joe Harris is out right now, but he'll come back before the playoffs. They got to be the they got to be the favorite, you know. And when I say healthy, Hutt and Duran, if they stay healthy, they they got to be the favorite. Um, you know, so uh, road trip coming up. Um, it's kind of a death match. <laughs> you got you well, got, kind of. I mean, Devin Booker won't be playing next yeah. Friday, so that's you good. Get, and Lillard's out too, right? Who? Lillard's out when we go to Portland. Yeah, Lillard's out. So that's LeBron's not out, out though. LeBron's, LeBron's not out. And you, and you got back to back, so I think um, you got Utah tomorrow night. Then you go to Portland on a back to back, which no isn't an easy, which isn't a, which is a brutal trip from Utah. Mm-hmm. To, it's it's not an easy flight. And then you got the LA LA back to back, Lakers and the Clippers, and then you you finish it with the Suns. Um, probably minus Devin Booker. You're gonna have minus um, Dame Lillard. Um, in Portland, but we maybe, might count Brown. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Brown's just out tomorrow night, and he's back for Portland. Maybe I, I didn't think he was going to play the back-to-backs, anyways. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what that is. Um, but it, it's going to be a tough road trip. I'd be um, okay with two and three. I would love three and two, um, but it, it will be tough because if you usually the best you do on these back-to-backs is split, especially yeah. on the road. And then you got to try to end it with a win against Phoenix, even without Booker, is, is no easy task no. at all. No, Phoenix is, I mean, they've won, what, 17 in a row? So, yeah. Yeah. Chris Paul has won 17 in a row now with three different franchises. That dude needs a ring, man. Yeah. But, anyways, um, I don't need to talk about Ernest Cantor Freedom. I'm happy for him. I wish he didn't go on Tucker Carlson, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just look the stuff he's talking about is really important. Um, what China's doing, um, I, I forget right. what the type of Muslims are, but they're in, they're in camps right now. They're, they, you know, I'm sure there's been massive mistreatment and human rights violations. I would not be surprised if there's been multiple deaths in those yeah. camps. Obviously, he's uh, spoken out against Edgeron in uh, Turkey and the human rights violations there. His father's been a political prisoner. Yep. He is, um, you know, he is wanted by Turkey. You know, if Turkey ever got their hands on him, he would become a political prisoner. Mm-hmm. I think from his perspective, he's going to go on any newscast that will have him right now and speak out exactly. against things. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I can't really blame him for that. No, I can't either. And I hope uh, his teammates recognize that because I'm sure. I think they do. You know, yeah, I think it was weird. Like I saw the people <clears throat> tweeting, oh, there's going to be a problem. They like when he got his citizenship, they all I know joined together and did one, two, three freedom. Like, yeah. I, I think there's I think they know who Cantor is. I think they're fine with it. I mean, he showed up. He stood with them two years ago. He did uh, down in the bubble, and he went to the marches, and, and mm-hmm. he he backed them one hundred and fifty percent. You one hundred and fifty percent, and I think that's something they remember, and um, it matters. People, you know, make these judgments about 
teams and humans all the time and don't mm-hmm. really understand how complicated we all are. Yeah. You know, that people are smart enough to accept different things about people they care about. I, 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 unless we read that there was a fight at the practice, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm staying out of how people feel about each other. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he's always been well liked by this team. You know, yeah. especially we used to see videos of him and Taco in the bubble. And uh, I'm happy for him getting your citizenship in this country. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's an honor to, you know, be an American citizen. I'm sure he's really, pr- and he's obviously very, very proud of that fact. So uh, he's a role model to many. And uh, I'll just have to get used to calling him freedom. Yeah, I, I, there was there was a writer I think for the USA Today or, or maybe the Post or something that did an op-ed kind of going after him. Um, for what? You know, you know, they were playing that in between game and saying that you know he he's all the stuff he's saying is correct, but you know he'll go on any station and he loves the camera and you know he did it with the vaccines and now he's doing it with this issue. Fine, maybe he does. Maybe he likes the attention. He, the issues are correct. And he's put himself at risk. He's He's been willing, you know, he can't leave the United States or Interpol could technically arrest him. You mm-hmm. know, there's always questions of whether he could go up to Canada in the past. And that's been resolved. But there were serious questions because Interpol could arrest him and send him back to Turkey. Yeah. And he, he would become a political prisoner there. So the guy, the guy is not doing this without loss or risk in separation from his family Hmm. um it's easy to write that but uh, until you walk in someone else's shoes you you know you should be really careful what you put in um an ink yeah and people are just like they just suck the joy out of everything yep you know um everything becomes like so controversial now and that's not fair you know you got to let people be human and 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 not correct people all the time. Um, he may be saying things that you don't agree with, or you're like, why is he telling me I have to be proud to be an American? Who's he to say that? And it's like, can you put what he's saying into context? He just became an American citizen. And he comes from a country where if the president had their way, he'd probably be dead. So yeah, let's, or, or let's, in prison. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, so. You know who works for Adjuron? Is he uh, Hito Turkoglu? What? Yeah, yeah, he does. And if you like, he's gone after Cantor on Twitter and things like that. Yeah. Well, fuck him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God. Uh, All right. All right. On that note, um, hey, freedom, everybody, freedom, and uh, we'll 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 talk to you soon. Here's something controversial: Mel Gibson, Brave Hot Freedom. Every time I see Cantor, I think of him now. Oh, that's a that's freedom. A disturbing thought with that guy. <laughs> he only wants freedom for certain type of people. <laughs> but he, that movie was all that movie was great. Yeah, it was. All right, I'll talk to you. See ya.